softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portal, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling all sinners, come This morning, I want to preach from a duct tape Bible. I was in Luella, Texas, on the cup of Dallas and Oklahoma, preaching revival, dwelling in a host home, sat my Bible down on the coffee table, went about the business of getting acclimated to the spot. And while in that place, it came time to preach. So thank you, Paul, for this opportunity to practice the prayer. I looked for my Bible, nowhere to be found. Check my pocket, back pocket, briefcase, no Bible. Had to go ahead to the church, figured maybe it's tucked in the briefcase deeper. When we got to the church, I looked in the briefcase, no Bible. So I had to use a pew Bible. Anybody ever have one of those crispy puppies? You open it up, it's like brand new dollar bills. No one had ever used a pew Bible. But I stood flat foot, preached, and they were amazed that I hadn't had a note. I'm preaching from the Bible itself. Today I got some notes because I got an assignment and I want to be able to be invited back and not happy to be seen twice. <laughs> happy to see you come and go. Y'all know? <laughs> I preached, the pastor came forward, repented because he had split the church. The body saw salvation spring up from the ground. On the way back to the host home, guess where my Bible was? It was strewn all over the front line. The host home had a black and a white dog. This is not racial. They had a black and a white dog. <laughs> Took my Bible. Now Revelations is where Genesis used to be. <laughs> so in Luella, Texas, there are Holy Spirit-filled dogs howling for the glory of God. Why would you tell us that in the introductory part of your message? Because if the Bible is good enough for a black and a white dog, it ought to be good enough for us this morning. So I'm here to invite you to church. Touch your neighbor and say, welcome to church. Come on, I know y'all don't like to talk to each other, but this is class participation. And I welcome you to two kinds of churches. One is the church that you think you want. The other is the church God assures we need. Which one, as we ponder the word, will you land upon? If you take a close gander at this video, maybe this will help us in the time that we have together. Take it out. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys, right? Come here. Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. 
You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. Is this the church? Most think they really want and even deserve a fellowship like that. Yet this kind of clip introduces us to the contemporary church attender. And I found, correct me if I'm wrong, that often that attender comes to the fellowship in a grown up high chair with a bib on. And they're interested in what church can do for me, myself, and I. Is it church? Because in the midst of this, it's a cafeteria style church hop from place to place and fellowship to fellowship. You've known people, you've sat by people, maybe you are that people that go to one church because it is popular. It's got a hype to it and it's an amazing aesthetic. Or maybe you leave there and go to another church because the worship is off the chain and you like to drop it like it's hot and shake. I mean, you like to be enthralled in the spirit and truth of worship. Or maybe you go to a particular church from there that has beautiful people and you're looking for a mate. Always a bridesmaid. And then there's another church that reminds you of home, a church that you never attended when you grew up, but it's familiar. Is this church? When you pause and push rewind, you begin to understand if I'm church hopping, maybe I'm trying to scratch where I'm not sure I really itch. And the Bible says, no, that's not the church. It's what you want, it's what you desire, it's what you feel entitled to, but church, that is the main church, has an ingredient that's mandatory. His name is Son of the living God. What's missing from the meat church is the main ingredient. And when we look deep, we understand that gathering together around Jesus, the lamb slain to take away the sins of the world, calling you home to the place of refuge. When we gather around Jesus, the one who is the name above all other names, that at the name of this one, every knee's gonna bow, every tongue confess. When we gather around Jesus, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all, that's when we're having church. That's when we're getting what we need, not on the outermost, but in the innermost chamber of our hearts. I wish I had time. But when God calls us to assemble around this rock named Jesus, he's the central figure that gives us running in our feet, clapping in our hands, and a hearty amen because he looks beyond our fault and sees us where we really need to be touched. Jesus. You know what he calls church? Ecclesia. You know what that's the transliteration of? 
It's a fat $5 cemetery, I mean seminary word for freed ones. Can you help me turn to somebody and say, are you free? Because if we are, we tell our face, wouldn't we? I'm free, but often we don't see this. We see, I'm barely here by the hair of my chinny chin chin. And so, that's my introduction. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25. Which do you want to be a part of? The me church or the Messiah church? Scripture helps us ponder the thought more intently. When you find Hebrews 10, say amen. Here's what the word says in verse 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open to us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the gutter and the guilty conscience that we have. And having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we confess and profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as has been the custom and as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Having just read this passage, it's potent, it's personal, it is productive. I just see the Hebrew picture of the church God assures we need. I see in this text from a duct tape Bible that there's an interesting comparison to the contemporary people we hang around. And this means that there's a problem anciently and presently with going to church and being the church. This whole series is called Fueled to Devotion. And if we're gonna be fueled to devotion, we need something to put in the tank. That's why we gather, that's why we come. And here there's a problem that is addressed historically in Hebrews, listen, the people then, as they are now, were giving up on Jesus. Have you seen them? They want a 401k. They want a bad mama jamma. They want a ride that's comfortable and that's pristine. But they've given up on Jesus, the focal point. Jesus, the main attraction. Jesus, the primary ingredient. Jesus, the one who makes and made church worth going to and being. The struggle is real and the struggle is ancient. Giving up on Jesus is nothing new because old habits are hard to break. And the old habits of the fathers before us are still robbing us of peace that surpasses all earthly understanding. The enemy doesn't have any new tricks to keep you from being in a place of peace and finding your way home because the old ones still work. And so he's using that and why give up on Jesus when Jesus has never given up on you? I know spouses argued all the way to church this morning. I can't stand you. You always make me, we got to do the baby dedication. Well, if you would get your earrings and have both matching people, then we get here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Pastor Paul, it's so good to see you. And what do you call a Foxy? Yes, it's so wonderful to be in the house. Hypocrisy. 
Giving up on Jesus is what was happening of old, and we must stop the madness today. The writer knew the Jewish reader, the hearer, and the believer in Christ were in great need of exhortation, of encouragement not to give up on and the need of exhortation and encouragement is still present today. And I get the ancient Hebrew problem. I just don't understand why we've adopted it as our own. Okay, what are you saying, preacher? Here it is. Due to persecution as believers, assembling together was habitually avoided in times of old. They were being watched. They were being beaten. They were being executed, killed because of their faith in Christ. But I scratched my head. What's your excuse? That was then. This is now. Other regions have some of the same problems, but here, very comfortable, but we still adopt the excuse. Maybe it's due to the difficulty of letting go of legalism to embrace grace. Maybe it is the difficulty of breaking from the ceremony of, of, of that which is Judaism to finally receive Jesus Christ alone. Maybe we're more ritualistic then we are redemptive. And that keeps us from being in fellowship one with another. And so here's what I desire. And it's what we ought to ask. What's my desire? It's what scripture asks. Desire. The writer of Hebrews announces what I desire for you and for me. We can fear not. Why? Because the passage and the people were being moved from an individualistic focus to a more dutiful member of community uplift. If it's me, myself, and I, then there's only a little bit that I can get done. One can send a thousand to flight, but what if all of us together got excited about the good news of the gospel? We can unleash the power of God made perfect where we're weak, a fire shut up in our bones, and all of Viridian would have to call 911 because saints is on fire. Right, something's happening down at the clubhouse. We need to report. <laughs> Here it is. The passage is calling us to epi-synagogue. That's what I desire. It's a fear not epi-synagogue. Okay, what is he saying? I want to get beat just for a moment. Epi means above. Synagogue means the fellowship. And God is saying, don't do church light. Come up or not. To a higher place. To a higher assembly. Not a lofty haughtiness, but a place where we're coming together corporately through following Jesus, the Savior, not feeding the pleasure of satisfying me, myself, and I. This is church, a Christian refusal to neglect the most important element of needed community, realizing no man is an island to himself. I've tried it. I like to be by myself. There are seven trillion nerves in the human body, and some of y'all get on all of mine. I want some space. Anybody get up in your stuff and you're like, hey, don't hug me this Sunday. Well, they said greet you and I want a holy kid. Get away. But the scripture is saying that we have to be needed in the midst as chapter 10 verse 21 reports. Christ who is the confession of our hope, the deliverance from me, myself, and I and from cafeteria style worship says chapter 10 verse 23 is the main ingredient. God assures the church we need moves us from me, myself, and I to the place where we're not fearing persecution and the place where we're not trapped in religious sticks in our mind and to the place where we're, watch this, continually, here's what we need to deny, denying self. What I desire at the synagogue, 
not church light. We got a million churches in the city. I want a church where everybody knows my name. And they're also glad. I don't have to go to the bar, cheers, to find that encounter. I ought to be able to enter into saints and say, okay, you have been missed. Been waiting on you to get here. We ought not be pumped and primed to go greet someone we hadn't met yet. We ought to already be, hey, so glad you're here. You need space, I'm gonna give you space, but I want you to know you're the most important person on the planet. If you can't say amen, say out. To do that, you gotta deny your and consider the brethren. That's what Hebrews 10 is saying. Not a church looking, watch this, at each other. You might want to tweet, Instagram this, but a church looking after each other. I don't want to look at you, looking at me, looking at you. I want to look after you. I want to care about you. Here's an illustration. I do this with my family all the time. I find myself constantly thinking of them no matter where I am in the world. What do they want to eat? What do they want to do? I could be in Kenya with some ugali and wonder, will my wife really eat this? Any parents, you just now had a baby dedication. You get to the dinner table and all you talk about is It's grown up adulting time and you're still thinking about what the kids are doing. Either are they having a good time or are they burning down my house? I think about my family all the time. Anybody else? I got a healthy case of scriptural can't help it. And that's because I'm wired, I'm designed, I am built and called by God to deny myself to not look at my family, but to look after my family. And my wife taught me what the acronym of family meant just last night. She said, family means forget about me, I love you. Now go make me a sandwich. I'm like, wait a minute, that... I thought it, forget about me meant for both of us to deny <laughs> I'm learning, I'm <laughs> learning. And Father, God knows best. I didn't come up with Hebrews 10. I, I wish I could say I can take credit for asking you to do what scripture says is mandatory and don't leave out the main ingredient. You can't cook a good cake without flour. You put all the other stuff in there and microwave it if you want, but that won't be cake. That'll be a hot mess. So deny yourself. And on gathering together around Jesus instead, it's because church is a family affair. Church is a congregation of gathering together around the one who calls us to epi-synagogue. You can't get that when you are all alone outside of biblical community. We're not trying to promote saints. We're calling you to scripture which in scripture will call you to know saints, this church is about the business of fulfilling every jot and tittle God has prescribed through his word. Not one inch of the word of God will go out and come back empty handed until it's all fulfilled. And the leadership that had to come to England to America to evangelize and disciple us is saying, won't you do the word? And I'm not gonna let them come here, tell me what to do. <laughs> I'm going to join them on the commission because they're doing it right. The epi-synagogue purposefully calls me in the Greek to assemble, calls me to assemble above the norm. It's a higher gathering, which you'll hear Ryan sing at the close of this service, and you'll be invited to get off blessed assurance and do something about this word. 
So the epicenagogue, the meeting of Christians weekly to refresh, write this, to com comfort, to instruct, to obey, to rebuke, to edify. That's why we're coming together and perfect the saints in the midst of doing those things. Likewise, we're here to convince and convert and bring those who know him not to a right relationship with the Redeemer and a knowledge and faith of Christ Jesus. Amen. Now that's gathering, something I refuse to miss. That's the fellowship I long for. I thought I wanted one thing and then I recognized I put a ladder up against the wrong building, climbed up, and I was not where I needed to be. And God says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'm meek. I'm lowly in heart. And when you gather around Jesus, you won't just get rest for your physical body any one time. You will find rest for your soul. And he's not yelling like I do. He's softly and tenderly. Don't you want exhale? Early Christian writer and bishop of Antioch, Ignatius, says, when you frequently and in numbers meet together, the powers of Satan are overthrown and his mischief is neutralized by your like-mindedness in the faith. You'll have to play that again on the website. Here it is in the, in the passage, chapter 10, verse 23. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on together. And when we do that, we are minimizing the enemy's attack. When you got the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, your loins gird about with this truth and your feet prepared with the gospel, guess what the uniform doesn't give you? Complete rear gear. So I need somebody to have my with you. You don't know me that well. It doesn't take all that. Yes, it does. I need your help. If I'm on the porch and oncoming traffic is aimed at you and I'm rocking in the Viridian and the traffic's coming on my street, which shouldn't be that busy. Come on. <laughs> Am I going to let you in the middle of the street playing hopscotch and double dutch be hit by a big? No. Am I going to from the porch say, oh, this is going to hurt. They might want to open their eyes and see what's happening. There. Will I, from the porch, whisper, oh, 250 pounds dripping wet is coming at you full speed ahead. You're minding your own business. Turn around, because ah! I'm coming. And I'm not just going to tap you. Get out the road. I'm going to pick you up. And there'll be pain in the offering. And we'll discuss it in the air. Why dost thou picketh me up? It? King James, red letter edition. There is a rib cage broken, and I am not pleased with this activity. And when you see cement, me, and you, it will be, let me go. Until you hear, hmm. My assignment is to extend tough love. So you'll never run over. Blindsided by what you didn't see. So why do we go to church to be the church? Because God uses exhortation and love of fellow believers. We got a few more minutes. He uses those to reassure us. Say reassure. That the world's me church is a lie. He reassures us that. And I totally agree with that. And see, 
even the law as a shadow of that which was the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Messiah, which we see lift from the pages of Hebrews 10, even the law can't make perfect those who draw near to worship. Look at it quickly in chapter 10, verse 1. It says the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. What's it mean? When I look in a mirror, I see an imperfection. And we learned here at Saints that the mirror can't be taken off the wall and <laughs> to remove the pimple before the prom. It just shows you what's wrong with you. You need something else to fix what's broken in your life. You ever look in the mirror, ladies, and see junk in the trunk? Let me get back to my, <laughs> I'm just saying, the word reassures us that there's something in scripture that going to church and being the church requires. And that's God's good news that we have been sanctified from sin through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And that's not just good news. That's Tony the Tiger, great news. Here it is, chapter 10, verse 10. And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of saints, Viridian, through the sacrifice of your Baptist dumb through the sacrifice of your Catholicism, Methodism, your association. No, the word says through a holy and sacrificial body presented by Jesus Christ once and for all. I'll gather around that. It's prophetic, it's potent, it's revolutionary, it's revival. I need that because every now and then I'm dumb cheap. The message goes in one ear and out the other. And I need you to remind me, knucklehead, come back to your senses. The word shares with us. We are not just reassured. Watch this. Why do we go to church to be the church to fuel our devotion? Because God uses much needed exhortation and the love of fellow believers to remind us as he reassures us that the cross of Christ completely removed and fulfilled the annual religious traditionalism we find ourselves legalistically attempting to uphold. He atoned for all that, and atonement is at one. We come back together. So I look deep, and I'm asking God, and I went to the Greek. Let me show you what I did. I went to the Greek. What time we have? Okay, okay, here it is. It says, Kai Katanuman Elelus, Parakusman Agape Kai, Kalon Ergon. You're welcome. What that says, amplified, and let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. Barclay says, and let us put our minds to the task of spurring each other on in love and fine deeds. The New Living Translation says, think of ways to encourage one another to outbursts of love and good deeds. Isn't this refreshing? Phillips Translation says, and let us think of one another and how we may encourage each other to love and good deeds and worst ads. And let us constantly be giving careful attention to one another for the purpose of stimulating one another, watch it, to divine and self-sacrificial love and the good works. That, that's a mighty assignment. That is a lofty goal. And when I do this, here's what I've discovered. We go to church to be the church for two reasons. 
Jesus and others. That's a far cry from what I've seen church become, me, myself, and I. We go to church and are invited and commanded not to neglect either Jesus and others. To be commanded not to neglect is a discipline, and that's the purpose of our series this month, to discipline us. And I don't like it, you don't like it, but it's required. I got to bring the body under subjection. What you're looking at has not become what it is, eating rice, cake, and celery stick. This is bluebell country. I got a trainer here that will tell you, yeah, and he had some this week, I could tell. Repent over there. <laughs> the challenge is this. We are here to be disciplined. A spiritual maturity requires that our rights become less and our responsibilities for others will grow. How does that look? Uh, my son took a bath for a girl. He hadn't bathed before that. Her name, Sadie Robertson of Duck Dynasty family acclaim. He met her at a conference that I was preaching. The boy took a bath, put on a new shirt and drool. <laughs> I'm helping us right here. Don't neglect hygiene. If not for you, do it for me. You have the right to stinketh at your house. But in community, it helps you smell better. And I need you to look out for me so that when I'm on stage, my zipper's not down. And you're like, oh, this is going to be hilarious. That ain't right. Don't let me get up here embarrassing myself. Don't we need a little help? Men, have you ever had your wife say, you're going to wear that? And you're like, well, it was clean. And she pointed right back to the, okay, I'm going to go change. Because you her kin dog. We need assistance. We need support. Please tell me if I stink it. I, I need your help. And I want to be in community like milk because it does the body good. All right, that didn't help. Here's the challenge. This is the doctrine of God, our Savior, to love him and love people more than we love ourselves. As Christians, we are to adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, at all times. In all ways, believers thus are to consider how we can be self-monitored so we can be selfless. Otherwise, there's no evidence of our regeneration. The world doesn't know we came to church except by what? The love we show one another. So if you don't mind, let's not look like we've been drinking pickle juice and chasing it with sour lemon. Turn to somebody and give them a grin offer. All 32 or how many teeth you got left? I didn't say give them your wallet, just grin. They hadn't been smiled at all morning. So give them your happy, this is my happy, repent. Cause you got a face for radio. What the word is telling me via another video real expeditiously, I, I need you to see this because here's a lost soul that's going to speak to us as a church penned from the duo comedian collection of pen and teller challenges us in a Hebrews 10 kind of way. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and 
shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the the joke book and the and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props in the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And, uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice insane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? And receiving a gift of a Bible pen, an atheist who doesn't believe there's a God says, but if there is, and you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he is the answer. You are a monster to withhold from him. We don't have it. To withhold the main ingredient that makes it worth going to and being from a lost world that stands desperately in need.
of a living soul. I'm going to go to my seat, but let me give you how to devote three ways, three steps, real quick. And as I go there, <laughs> can I get political? Suppose you had to run for church membership each year on the basis and platform of what you had done for Christ during that year. Look at your neighbor and ask them, would you be reelected? Number one, consider. That's what Hebrews 10 is inviting us to do. Be concerned about one another. Pay attention to one another. Not a program, but a biblical command exists to discover something attractive in the least lovable so our own love grows. Amen. Number B, as you consider, spur someone on. Motivate them and love some people in a way that sends them to be excited about kindness. This is an intrusive, uncomfortable, but a good and positive irritant. I got one. When I ride with my bride, she goes to sleep in the first two minutes of our drive. But will para Kuzman me? That's the word for excitement. She will wake up out of a cold sleep. Are you know where we're going? Are you watching the road? I'm like, woman, <laughs> you were unconscious. But it's a positive intrusion because every now and then, I'm driving in Braille. And she will wake up to spur me on. Anyone? Do you want a doctor who will tell you only what you want to hear and lie to you? Or do you want somebody who has carefully, honestly examined you and will tell you you need to drop 20 more pounds? My mom has fired three doctors. Because each of them has said, woman, you need to. They weren't saying you fat, but that's what she heard. I mean, literally walked out the hospital in the gown. And I know he didn't tell me I was needing the mom, he's right. And so was she, and so was the other one. I need someone who'll be honest. To, perhaps you had the experience to stimulate a brother and sister in Christ like good deeds on. Because John Piper says this is a reason for living that is focused enough to be practical and big enough to last a lifetime. Consider spur excite kindness and the third thing is encourage encourage I read it in Hebrews 3.13 and the passage says in Hebrews in my duct tape I think I have Hebrews 3.13 if the dog didn't there it is it says but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceit. What does that tell me? George Adams reminds us that encouragement is oxygen for the soul. And more people fail for the lack of encouragement than by any other means. And so I'll leave you this way. This could be encouraging this last video to inform us that we will 
the boat be fueled by going to church and being the church. And today, make it our business that that is our call that God assures us we leave. It's always fun to remember special times, and the happiest memories of all are the ones we share with the friends we love. I love you, you love me, we're a happy family with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me too? I do love you I all. I love you, you love me. We're best friends like friends should be. With a bright big hug and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me too? Thank you, everyone. Hebrews says we're better together. And I love you. I wonder if you love me. It's worth going to church and being the church to experience. As we stand to our feet, there's an invitation. Maybe you're without a church home. Maybe you've not come around together with Jesus because you've not come to Jesus, the author, perfecter, and finisher of faith. Let's not allow Barney to outsing us in expressing what it is I need and not the me, myself, and I want. We'll have leaders positioned around this room, if you don't mind, that you can just go to and say, I've been so far away from considering, from spurring and encouragement. Today, I wanna embrace, reconnect, is this, home because Jesus is calling me I know it and I, I want it to be so if you don't mind just being transparent and honest and going and just praying with someone and saying I want to be loved and I got a whole lot of love to give Ryan's going to lead us in song and our pastor and lead of saints will be accessible for you to close us in service but there are other leaders just raise your hand Mark that you can go to and say, look, I'm not being the church right now. I'm here today, but I'm not faithful or loyal to any place. I hop, but I wanna plug in and be truly connected. Father, in the name of Jesus, as you send us obediently to get things right, help us to remind ourselves better together. And may you finish the message when we run flat out of time to say to us what we really desperately needed to hear from you and never be the same again. Thank you for you positively being an irritant that awakens me to serve you with all my heart, mind, and soul. In Jesus' name.